0: Welcome to Brave Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We're in a series on Sundays going through the Gospel of Mark, but we also want to encourage you. If you live in the area, go to bravechurch church and check out our home churches that are gathering together around these teachings throughout the week. We believe the kind of church Jesus came to start is more than a crowd. It's friends on a mission living life together. Another great way to connect further is through social media, where there is content designed to inspire and inform you here's this week's talk. Man, today we're starting a new talk series. I'm really excited. It's called Over Everything. But before we jump into that, I want to tell you about a really important gathering coming up on November 4th. So if this is your first November with us here at Brave, every year we have a Vision Sunday. And we are so excited about some of the things that we're going to be sharing that God's put on our heart, some initiatives for the upcoming year. And so that's November 4th. Mark your calendars. You're going to want to be here, be present for the Vision Sunday, Okay, But if you didn't get notes, raise your hand, and our ushers will get those to you. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. In our passage, Jesus is being asked a question by a religious leader, except this time, things are different. The leader who's asking the question is sincere. See, unlike most of the people that were trying to ask Jesus questions and and trick him or trap him, this man was actually impressed by Jesus, and he wanted to hear Jesus's thoughts on what was a very hot topic in their community. So let's begin reading verses 28 and 20, or verse 28. Excuse me. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So religious leaders and Jewish people in Jesus' time were obsessed with analyzing commandments. They believed that following these commands would lead to living a good life, being a good person, and being in good relationship with God. So these rules were very, very important to them. In fact, traditionally, The scribes spoke of 613 individual commandments in the Mosaic law. And 365 of them were negative, things that you shouldn't do. And 248 were positive ones, things that you should do. And so they believed that all of these were binding words to live by. Yet they also assumed a distinction between some of them being greater and others a little less weighty, which is what led to this ongoing debate, where they try to determine which of the commands is the most important. Which one, if followed, would all of the other be in- others be encompassed by? So it was with this backdrop that they had this common debate where they would get together and they would try to figure out if they could come up with the most important, most valuable, the greatest commandment. And so this Pharisee asked Jesus, what do you think? Do you have some wisdom? Do you have some thoughts on this that we've never heard before? Because Jesus had a lot of thoughts that they'd never heard before. So in our culture, We don't obsess over laws or commands this way. Um, We don't sit around debating which traffic law is the most important, right? Like, which traffic law, if you follow, covers all the rules of the road? Wouldn't that be great? We understand that there are laws that govern our society that keep us safe or protect us. But unless you're a lawyer or you're going through a legal battle, you probably aren't analyzing laws. You're not, you're not obsessing over them the way they did, especially not religious ones. So this is why understanding what's going on here can really be difficult for us in these terms. We, we need a different way of viewing what they were trying to figure out if we're going to be able to relate this to our lives. The truth is that we're not all that different. I think one of the closest things that we have in modern Western society is our values. We, we debate and we analyze our values because like in business, for example, we believe that great values builds a great company. Or in any team, great values leads to a healthy team culture, a more successful team culture. In the Bay Area, we live in an area that, that loves leadership. We have a leadership culture. People want to be great leaders at work they want to be great leaders in their community, and they want to be great leaders for their families. And so we want to be good human beings that change the world and leave it better than we found it. Those are good desires, right? You guys you guys here? Those are good desires, right? But how do we know that we're changing the world in the right direction? Our values determine the kind of change that we make. Our world is at war over value systems. They determine everything we do. Values determine what we find important and what we find unimportant. So what do you value? Some of us value travel, right? If we looked at our calendars or our budget, we'd see trips, weekend getaways, experiences. Some of us value our family time. That's a a big deal. So we have a night of the week set aside for family or daily time that we do things together. Or if a person values nature, they, may, they might regularly go on hikes or do outdoor activities. Some people value their spiritual health, and so they attend church regularly, or they're part of a home church, or they spend time with God on a regular basis. This week and next, I want to talk to you about why Jesus places one value over everything. And we're going to begin by laying a foundation for how values in general affect our lives. And then we're going to look at this greatest commandment and how to live it out. Next week, we're going to look at a revolutionary second commandment that Jesus coupled with this first one. So number one in your notes, what we value determines how we spend our lives. What we value determines how we spend our lives. Um, Our values inform how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and how we spend our abilities using the gifts and strengths that God's given us. Um, Just like ancient Jews arguing over commands, a lot of our arguments stem from our values or our differing values. So how many of you, let me see a quick show of hands, how many of you have a a set of values that you live by? Yeah, most of us, most everyone in this room, and even if you can't define them, or recite them, or you haven't written them down, I bet if we took an honest look at our lives, we'd, we'd quickly find what some of the things are that we value the most. A quick way to get to some of these is asking the question, what is it that I will never do? Because what you'll never do points to some of the things that you value the most. Like, I'll never kill someone, so you value life. Or I'll never lie, or I'll, 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 I try to never lie. Right? So you value honesty, or I'll never gossip. You value loyalty. What you'll never do tells you what you value the most, because you'll never do it. It corresponds to deeply rooted things that we care about. I asked myself this question earlier this week. I said, what will I never do? And one of the things that just popped into my head was I'll never steal a car. I just, I just can't see my life getting to the point from where it is now to the point where I'm stealing cars. I, I think Teslas are really cool. Okay, but you know what? I can't afford a Tesla. And you know what I've never done? I've never been walking along downtown Danville on like a Saturday and seen all these incredible cars like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and just crazy cars. And then seen like a beautiful Tesla, matte black, upgraded rims, and thought, I'm gonna steal it. (laughs) It's never crossed my mind. There's a huge gap between wanting something really badly and being willing to violate our values. Because I value justice and doing what's right, I'm not going to steal a car. Now, don't get me wrong. People violate their values all the time. But on normal days, for most of us, we're operating on a set of core values that we stick to. And they point to how we're spending our lives. So number one, what we value determines how we spend our lives. And number two, some values impact every area of our lives. Just like there were commands in the Mosaic law that the teachers saw as more important than others, we have values that are more important than others because of some val- some of our values that are so core, they impact all of the other things that we care about, like the value of discipline, for example, um, you can value your personal health, but without discipline you 'll never be healthy uh, one of The things I've always respected since I was young is what people who have a strong value of discipline are able to accomplish because they stick with things and they persevere even when it's not easy. But check this out. I also value health. And there are days where I'm working in my office and my my gym bag is ready to go. And then the days flying by, and I just think, you know, I'm going to skip my workout today, and I I tell myself I'll make up for it tomorrow, and you know, I'll run an extra mile or something. But I never just slip up and steal a car. (laughs) Even though we value or find some things important, we compromise them. But some of our more deeply held values they affect everything else. According to Jesus, our spiritual depth is entirely measured by how we live out one value. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what's the best way to honor God with the life he's given you? What's the best way to please him? How do we know that we're living the way that God wants us to, spending our one lifetime this side of eternity in the best possible way? Have you ever wondered, am I living the way God intended for me? How, how do we know for sure? Well, fortunately for us, in this passage, Jesus answers the question. He gives us one commandment capable of guiding us towards God's will 100% of the time. Jesus gives us the one value that affects every other part of our lives. So look at these next two verses. It says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Number three, Jesus places loving God over everything. And when he begins this answer, he opens quoting a prayer called the Shema. And this was a prayer using the first two words from a section of the Torah that Jews recited daily. This prayer that they prayed, they prayed it every morning and every night. And it was the essence of everything they believed, that their God, Yahweh, was the greatest. That the God of Israel, creator of the world, was the greatest ever, that he was the best, that he is ultimate. That's how Jesus starts their question before he even gives the first command. He's like, I've got to say something. God is the best, and no one compares. And so now that we've cleared that up, you guys want to know what the most important way that you can spend your life and, and the most important thing you can do with your life is. He quotes a verse that was very familiar to them. It's Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What Jesus says wasn't new at all. From the very beginning, God's desire is for his creation that he loves, to love him back. Jesus is saying the greatest command isn't to believe in God. It's not to pray, it's not to give, it's not to serve, it's not to attend church regularly, it's not to be a good person or have good morals. Those are important things, those are good, but you can do all of those things and still miss the greatest commandment. You can do all the right things that a person who loves God should do and not actually love him. Loving God is seen on the outside, but it's verified from within. So Jesus uses several key words to define what it looks like, to show us what it means to truly love God over everything. And so the first thing that he gives us, the first word that he uses to describe this all-encompassing love is heart. And typically, when we think of loving someone with our heart, we first think of it in a romantic way, like I'm giving him my heart or I'm giving her my heart, meaning I'm giving them all of my passion. or or all that I feel is for them. And that's certainly part of it. But what he's meaning here is something far more significant. The heart is the place from which we make decisions. So write this down. In ancient Jewish thought, the heart was the control center. When I married my wife, I gave her my heart. And what that meant isn't that I would be infatuated with her for every day, every moment, every minute of the day. It actually meant something far more attractive. Giving her my heart means I commit to prioritize her over every other person. A mentor of mine once told me, you fall in love with someone because of their looks and their personality or or their character. But you stay in love because of how they make decisions. Other people can have my heart, too. But no one has my heart the way she does. No one will ever be prioritized in my life the way she is. When Jesus says to love God with all of your heart, he's saying, I want you to prioritize me over everything, even your spouse, even your own family. God wants to be higher on your list than your own family. For some of us, this could mean some changes. Let's not water this down. God doesn't want to be below anyone on our list. And because God is love, he can be trusted with this level of devotion. Loving God over everything leads to the safest and the strongest way possible to build relationships. When a husband and wife commit to putting God over everything, even over one another, their marriage becomes stronger than it could ever be because God is holding it together. Even in our friendships, when two friends get into a conflict or a disagreement, but they're both putting God first. There's nothing they can't work through, because God always leads us towards peace, reconciliation, and unity. So we're going to talk more about that next week. If you want to know how we do relationships here at Brave, what our values are in terms of how we relate to one another, we're going to talk about that next week, because this passage has profound implications for how we do marriage, how we do friendships, how we do community. But let me ask you this. What does it look like when you give someone your heart? What do you do when you love someone? Do you prioritize spending time with them? Do you protect the relationship? Is someone or, if someone or something starts to get in the way, what do you do about it? You know, If, if anything starts to get in the way of my relationship with my wife, we're going to deal with it. We're not gonna, we, we value it too much. We value that relationship because our heart is in it. This is the kind of allegiance that God wants you to have towards him. The next thing Jesus talks about is the soul. This is your inner life. This is the most indestructible part of who we are. It's our deepest sense of being. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. A heart can be broken, a mind can be damaged, our physical strength will fade, but our soul can live forever. And so when you love God with your soul, you're placing your your eternity under his care and protection. Choosing God and surrendering your life to him means deciding that he is the one person that you want to be with forever. And if you believe in God and you believe in what scripture teaches, then you have a choice. And there's two potential outcomes. And so when we decide to follow Jesus and we start loving him with our soul, what we're saying is, I'm going to start building a relationship with God now that will continue into eternity beyond this lifetime. Isn't that amazing to think? That we're building a relationship with our creator that will continue beyond this life. That this life is the setup for the next The next thing Jesus says is to love God with all our mind. This is loving God with our thinking. Everything that we say and we feel starts in our mind. So when we love God with our mind, we're actually elevating our thoughts. When you love someone, you think about them. And hopefully, the way you think about them is accurate to who they are, to their personality, and to their character. So when we discover the character and the personality of God through our experiences with him, and what we learn about him in scripture, we start to think about God more accurately. And our mind is filled with heavenly things, with higher thinking, with God-like thoughts. So thinking about God is actually the solution to a lot of the things that we struggle with. La- the last few weeks, I've been starting to feel anxious. And I- I've never struggled with anxiety before. But there's been so many things going on with you know Marcy's dad is, is fighting for his life right now. And some other family illnesses have been getting worse. And, and then our, our baby's coming, and we hadn't figured out where we're going to live yet. Right? So one of the most adult decisions that we made was moving in with my parents to save money. But that time has come to an end. And so we wanted to get a place, and something fell through. And so, so I was starting to feel really anxious. Well, this last week, everything fell together. We found just an awesome apartment that we're renting, a two-bedroom, right in the building where we lived when we first got married. And we just feel so blessed. And the other day, I woke up and was feeling so good. And then I was praying, and I realized, you know, for a few weeks, I've been feeling so anxious about this. And I've been feeling so worried. And all of that was a waste, because it all worked out. God took care of us. See, when you think about God, and you think about how in charge he is, how powerful he is, how capable he is to meet our needs and to take care of us, then you don't have any room for that anxiety or that worry. They can't, those things can't coexist. We feel more at peace when we think more accurately about who God is, and we start to really internally take that in, that God is good, that he is great, and that he cares about us and that nothing is too big for him. See, I think sometimes when we we focus so much on the personal aspect of our relationship with God and that personal connection, that, that we can kind of forget just how big he is, that he created all of this, that nothing's beyond his reach. The last thing that Jesus says is to love God with all of our strength. This is loving God with our physical ability, but also loving God with our power using Our strength can be obvious, right? Like using your muscles to help someone move. Or this morning, I saw some people moving tables to set up for the pumpkin carving. Or when teachers show up early to set up a classroom to teach our kids about Jesus. You don't have to look like the rock to love God with your strength, even though some of you do, which is kind of crazy. This is a pretty safe place to go to church. I, I, my brother called me yesterday, and his, his voice sounded kind of different, and I was like, man, is he getting sick? What's going on? And he's really excited about Orange Fest, and uh, we're all excited about Orange Fest, and the reason we're excited about Orange Fest is because every year we do this event, and tons of people from the community come on this campus that otherwise would never step foot on a church campus, it's amazing, and then every year after Orange Fest, People come to brave and they find Jesus for the first time because they came to orange fest isn 't that amazing like there 's so many reasons we, we love orange fest we have fun it 's a blessing to our community but it 's also a part of our mission and that 's why we do it and so isaac 's really excited about this, and you might have seen when you drove up there 's like signs in the ground everywhere. And I, I asked them, him to put up two or three, and there's like nine. So, but he calls me, and he's like, hey, you know those signs that we got? And we got a bunch of them. He's like, I put them up all over town. And I said, how did you do that? Like, Isaac has cerebral palsy, and I'm thinking, you don't drive. Like, how did you get all over town? And he said, grandma drove me. Oh. And then he said, I think I need to lay down. <laughs> That's loving God. With strength, with whatever strength you have. And it's also more than that. When we look at this word used for strength, it also translates to an even bigger idea. The Greek translation of this word is power, and the Aramaic translation is wealth. And so when you put all of this together, it points in the same direction that the strength of a person isn't just who they are. It's not just their mind, their heart, or their soul. It's also what you have to work with what God's given you, your resources, what has God given you to work with? Every single Sunday when we receive the financial giving and the resources that fund what we do and beyond it, we're giving to the greatest cause on earth. The church is God's number one plan, his number one vehicle for impacting this planet. And so for this generation and future generations to come, The Bay Area will be impacted by the gospel because of the churches that are here. And that's exciting. But a lot of times, if we're honest, we're motivated to give for different reasons. Maybe we're inspired. Maybe we find something really meaningful or we or we find it the right thing to do. But according to this commandment, the greatest commandment, the most important reason that we ever give is when we give to God because we love him. God wants us to love him with all that we have, with all that he's given us. And so in closing, we're going to do something. I'm going to invite the band to come and join me. And in a few moments, we're going to receive communion together. And communion is a ritual that Jesus taught his followers to practice. But the essence of it comes back to this commandment, to love God with everything we are and everything that he's given us. And so there are cups up here in the front filled with juice and crackers, and they represent the body of Jesus that was broken for us and the blood that was shed. Communion is a moment for loving God, to evaluate, God, do you have my heart? Am I prioritizing you above every other relationship? Do I trust you with my soul? And do I think about you? How do I think about This last week on Tuesday night, there's a class that began called Starting Point, and I was blown away. There were like over 20 people, and it's for people who are new to faith, but also people who are exploring faith and checking things out, and I love it because if we don't pursue God with how we think about God, if we don't put ourselves in places where we can wrestle with some of our doubts or work through some of our questions, then how are we ever going to get to a place where our faith can grow? And so just going to that class is actually an act of loving God. I just want to encourage you if if that's something that you're interested in we just started last week you can still jump in this Tuesday. But we want to love God in every way possible including how we think about him including loving him with our minds. And so maybe you're here today and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus but There's some areas when we go down that list where you could be loving God better. Maybe God will speak to you this morning as we sing this song. This is a moment for us to evaluate where we're at in our relationship with God as we receive communion, as we remember what he's done for us, how much he's loved us. How are we loving him in response? So if you'll bow your heads and join me, I want to pray with you. And then we're going to come forward during this song at any point, at any time that you're ready to receive communion. But God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that for those who don't yet know how much, just how much you love them, that they would feel your love in this moment, that they would feel your your presence as we move into this time of worship. And God, for those of us who have a relationship with you, who know how much you love us, who feel loved by you, I pray that, that you would just, whisper to us, speak to us softly about anything that that we need to look at, any area of our life where maybe we're, we're withholding some of our love from you, that we would be obedient in response to this commandment, and that we would see the, the fruitfulness and the blessing that you desire in our lives, the thriving that you want for us that, that maybe can't happen because we're just not loving you the way you've called us to love you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's our hope that you will let this message go deep within your soul and allow Jesus to do the work that only He can do. We also want to encourage you to partner with us here at Brave. Go to brave.church and become a regular giver and be part of how God is using this message to help people find and follow Jesus.